On Sunday mornings, we're in the midst of a series of lessons on the essential doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And currently, we are considering the doctrine concerning the church. What is the church? Who is a member of that church? How do you become a member? And what is the the mission of the church? Very essential fundamental truths that are found in Scripture. And so we'll continue looking at some of the truths that are revealed about God's will concerning the church. We know that everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior is a member of the church of God. doesn't matter what the name on the building that you attend. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a member of the church of God. And we have seen that it is compared to a body. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the family of God. And we pertain to him. And one of the things that we considered last week is what we know to be God's will is that concerning the church is that those that have accepted Jesus as their Savior, the church, should assemble together with other members of the body of Christ in a local assembly. And where two or three are gathered, wherever there are Christians that gather in the name of Jesus for the purpose of worshiping him and for the purpose of learning more about his will for us, that's where the church is. Now, this local assembly, we're the church, not a building, but we are the church. We're not the whole church, but we represent that body of Christ. Jesus Christ is the head, and we are the members, and we are called on. Our part is to do the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why we're here. This morning, I want us to kind of focus on what the Bible tells us is important when we come together, like we are this morning. What, why do we come together? Is this just a habit? Is something that our parents did and made us do, and now we just can't get out of the habit? Well, hopefully that's not the case. We are to be a people of purpose. We do what we do. We say what we say because we have a revelation and an understanding of the will of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to honor him. We want to please him. We want to do his will. And so the Bible tells us, if we'll start this morning in 1 Timothy 3, it matters what we do when we come together as the church, when we come together as a local assembly. 1 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15. We'll find out that churches, local assemblies can do things differently at a different time, everybody doesn't have to be doing the same thing at the same time in the same way. But the Bible does give us a very clear and bold outline about the kinds of things and that we should be doing and how we should be doing them. And though there's variations within that outline, we must stay within that bold outline. And so in 1 Timothy three fourteen and 15, we read these words. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. So it apparently matters what we do when we come together and how we do it, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. We considered that part of that that verse, that portion last week that one of the main purposes in the mission of a local assembly is we are to guard, to protect, and to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the way, 
the truth, and the life. And then we are to teach God's people the will of God, how we can be equipped to do the work of God. And we'll consider more of that as we continue the lesson this morning. But clearly it matters how we conduct ourselves when we come together. And one of the big, bold outlines that we have for our conduct in a local assembly is found in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. So let's read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 40. In Corinth, when Paul was writing, he had to write to them and make some corrections on how they were conducting themselves when they came together as the body of Christ, as the church. There was confusion, there was carnality, there was division. And that, that's not God's will for us when we come together. So he wrote these words to them in 1 Corinthians 14.40. He was making some specific corrections in this in chapters 12, 13, and 14. But in verse 40, he says, Let all things be done decently and in order. So that's, that's an underlying foundation, how we conduct ourselves when we come together. This is the opposite of confusion and division. Confusion and division takes place when there are individuals, whether it be the pastor or whether it be members of, of the congregation, that conduct themselves solely to satisfy their own sinful desires, their selfish desires. And when we use the word sinful, everybody's thinking of those big sins. You know, we're talking adultery and all of that. No, sin is simply considering self over and above everything else, over and above the will of God, over and above the needs of those around you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when there's selfishness among God's people, that leads to confusion. That leads to division. And that's not decent and is not orderly. And so part of that, everything be done decently in order is we come together with these things in mind. We want to do the will of God. We want to know the will of God. We want to do the will of God, and we want to do what's necessary to encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord to do that will as well. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 21. So if we're going to do things decently and in order, we need to know the will of God. And that will is only revealed in the Word of God. Now, the Holy Spirit can lead in specific ways, and he does, and he should, and we need to be sensitive to how he leads, but it is always on the foundation of the revealed will of God in the Bible, in the Word of God. And so in Ephesians 5.15, it says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Stand up straight, see things as God sees them, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. That is, buying up the opportunities that God has given us. This is why we read in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need each other. We need to be reminded of God's will on a daily basis. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the only way you can conduct yourself decently and in order, by knowing the will of God. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Let Him control, first by the Word of God that He has inspired, and then by being sensitive to how He'll lead you on a personal basis, 
in your daily decisions, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. This is how we conduct ourselves in church. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Notice how these songs and hymns are described. They're spiritual. In other words, they point you to spiritual and eternal truths. This is why we don't just sing any old song, no matter how pretty it might be. There are some so-called Christian songs that are absolutely contrary to the Word of God, and they're not spiritual because they contradict the Bible. And so when we come together, these are the kinds of songs that we sing. And if you'll notice, hopefully when you're singing the congregational songs, again, it's not just a habit. It's not just a routine. Well, that's just what we do. There's a reason why we do it. And if you pay attention to the words as you sing them, they will minister to your spirit because the word of God is spirit and it is life. And so when you're singing, don't, don't just go through the motions. Sing the words and let them minister to you and not only to you, but we're to sing to one another. And those words can encourage the one sitting next to you as well. And so this is why we come together making melody in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. That's how things are done decently and in order. We submit to one another. What are the needs of my brother, my sister in the Lord? Why are we here? Not just for ourselves. We need to be here for ourselves, but we also need to be here for one another. And that's submitting. You've got other things you could be doing, and we all have things we could be doing. But part of being here, assembled as the church of God, is we're submitting to the needs of others. I'm here for you. You're here for me, decently and in order. And to see that things are done decently in order, God has set a divine order for the leadership of the church. Let's go to Ephesians 1. This is where there is so much division among God's people. This is why there's so many denominations and within Christendom, because not everybody understands God's will concerning how the church is to be governed. In Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, first and foremost, this is above everything else. This is what will lead us to doing things decently in order, conducting ourselves as we ought, When we come together, when we understand, in verse 22 of Ephesians 1, and he put all things under his feet, talking about God the Father put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ, and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. How many things? All things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Such wonderful truth here. We, as the people of God, we thrill. We are the fullness of the one who fills the universe, created everything from nothing, and yet he finds pleasure and fulfillment in his work of grace that he has done in those that have accepted Jesus as his Savior. That, that's a, an amazing statement. I, you, us together are the fullness of him who fills all and all. But notice it says that Jesus is the head of the church in all things. He has supreme authority. The Bible, the New Testament, as, and, and the revelation that was given to the Apostle Paul, that is the will of Jesus Christ. 
And so what the Bible reveals to be right and wrong and how things should be done and shouldn't be done, that is the will of the head, Jesus Christ. And that is the final authority. Brother Doug is not the final authority for doctrine. The Word of God is. The Bible is. The Pope is not the final authority for doctrine. The Bible is. Jesus is the head and not man. Let's go to chapter 2 of Ephesians. This head, Jesus Christ, has made his will known to the founding apostles, starting with Peter and James and John, and then ultimately for this church age, the fullness of God's will was revealed to the apostle Paul. And he is the one who has written the majority of our New Testament writings. He's the instrument. The Holy Spirit is the author. But God chose the Apostle Paul to write down the head's will for me and for you. And so in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, we read, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. There you have it. You accept Jesus as your Savior. You're a member of the church, member of the family, member of the body of Christ. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So the church, again, is not a physical building. It's a spiritual building, a spiritual temple in which God should be seen in us as individuals and corporately when we come together. Worship and praise should be given to the Lord Jesus Christ by the church. This is why we come together. But notice we're being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Again, this is talking about those that God chose, that Jesus chose to reveal his will for this church age. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. This is how we conduct ourselves decently and in order when we come together as a local assembly by doing, by hearing and doing the revealed will of God. Second Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We can't do the work that God wants us to do if we are not equipped. And the only thing that's going to equip us is the revelation of the will of God as revealed in the Bible through those founding apostles whose ministry God Proved with the evidence, these are my men, because the extraordinary miracles that God used them to do, and by the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Revelation 2.29, we see that not only do we have the word of God that teaches us how to conduct ourselves, what's appropriate, what's not, but we also have the very presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is something that we need to recognize as individuals. And as an assembly, the Holy Spirit will, will never lead us or guide us contrary to his will. This is why so many times I've had people that claim to be prophets and come to this assembly and told me they know the God, God's will for this assembly and for my life and my ministry. And I said, well, let's hear it. 
And when they would give it to me, it was in direct contradiction to the word of God. And so I immediately rejected. I didn't have to debate. I didn't have to. No, thank you. That's not the will of God. I know because it's not on the foundation that never moves. But the Holy Spirit can because there are so many things in this modern age that's not specifically covered how we do things. The Holy Spirit can lead us how to apply the Word of God in every situation as individuals and as an assembly. And in Revelation 2.29, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to those local assemblies. He'll lead us. He'll guide us. And as we've gone through this long two-year transition process of selling our building and, and building a new building, we've sought the Lord in all of those decisions. And we've seen the faithfulness of God. Yes, we know Satan has tried to put an end to this thing time and time again. He frustrates and puts up all kinds of obstacles. But when we continue to look to him for wisdom and direction, the Holy Spirit is going to show himself faithful to lead us in the right direction. And so we thank God for this gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit. This is how it's done decently and in order. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. So Jesus is the head. I'm not the head of the church. Sometimes people say, well, uh, do you go to Brother Doug's church? Well, hopefully you say, no, I go to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not my church. It belongs to the head. But having said that, to, to help that see that things are done decently in order, God has set a divine order for how the church is to be governed. And again, these aren't my rules. These aren't my instructions. These are found in the Word of God. Let's, let's see if we have that scriptural foundation. Ephesians four eleven to 16. The head, Jesus, has given gifts to the body so that things go as he wills, that his will is executed, that his word is proclaimed. Ephesians 4.11 says, and he himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, that's those foundation apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping. Why were they given? So these individuals would be superior to everybody else so that they would be puffed up and think that there's something special? No, these gifts are given to these individuals for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. And how long is this to go on? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. When's that going to happen? When Jesus comes. And so the these gifts are given and are to operate until Jesus comes. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Any of that going on in churches today? Oh, there's a lot of false doctrine. Sounds good. People are being deceived. But if it contradicts the word of God, it's just doctrine by the trickery of men. But instead of that, verse 15, Speaking the truth in love. Such a wonderful balanced statement. We speak the truth, but we're to do it in love. Not to prove that we know better than everybody else, that we know it all, not to get our way, but we speak the truth because, first of all, we love the Lord Jesus Christ and it's his will. But secondly, because 
we love those that are lost and need Jesus. We love our fellow Christians who need that spiritual nourishment to be strong in, in their faith and to grow and to mature. But we must speak the truth in love. And as we do, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part. There's not a Christian that doesn't matter. There's not a member of the local assembly that doesn't matter. We all can minister to one another in different ways. There are these special gifts that are given, gifts of leadership, but every part is important in the building up of the whole by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Always that encompassing love, seeking and committing to do what is in the best interest of others. These gifts are given by the head, Jesus Christ. So when these gifts are being exercised according to the will of God, now later in another study we'll see that when these gifts, these positions of leadership, when they try to operate outside of the revealed will of God, then there is to be discipline. There's to be a rejection of their, their carnal whims. But in the will of God, when these positions of leadership are exercised in submission to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, then they are to be received by the body. And to reject those which many people say, well, we don't need pastors and we don't need this and we don't need that. To reject a God-given ministry is to reject the authority of the head. Because we read, Jesus gave gifts to the church. So when they're exercised in the will of God, they're good. They're profitable. Apostles, speaking of the foundation apostles that give us these scriptures. Prophets speak of those who foretell and foretell the will of God, both in, in the Bible as well as when we proclaim what God says to be true. When we talk about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, that's a prophecy that we can boldly proclaim because the Word of God does. Jesus is coming again. Evangelist simply means one, a bringer of good news. He's given those that have that ability to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a simple way for people to have an opportunity to respond. Evangelist he's given. Pastors. The word pastor has to do with shepherding, which means to feed, to protect, and to lead. This is what a pastor's responsibility is in submission to the head. Teachers, those that instruct. So these are, these are gifts that God gives to men in order that all things be done decently in order when we come together. We'll look, Lord willing, next week at the specific requirements for those that are in places of leadership in the church. And they are to be held accountable for those responsibilities. God's people are to hold those of us that are in public places of leadership. You are to hold us accountable to do it in accordance with the will of God. The purpose of these ministries is for the perfecting, that is the equipping of the saints to do the work. 
Many people think the, the, the work of bringing people to church and pointing them to Jesus Christ for salvation, many people think, well, that's the pastor's job. Actually, it's not. I am to equip you to go do that work. That's my responsibility, to give you the tools you need, to give you the, the teaching and the doctrine and the encouragement that you, when you leave, see right now, we're, we're not winning a lot of people to Christ sitting here. But when you leave here, that's when you go to do the work. But what you learn here is going to equip you, if I'm doing my job, equip you to do the will of God, to bring others to Jesus Christ, to, to live a life that is an example of the power of God to change a life, to give joy and peace. And a lot of times in the midst of tears, in the midst of sorrows, people need to see in you that there's a joy, there's a peace, there's a contentment that you can't explain because your circumstances certainly don't, don't promote it. What is it? And you'll be able to give them an answer. First Peter 3. This is why we come to church. It's not to be entertained. As you can tell, I'm not that entertaining. But the Word of God will give you everything you need to do His work and to be ready when Jesus comes. First Peter three fifteen and 16. What we do here should equip you, make you ready, give you what you need, the tools to be the light to a lost and dying world that's getting darker and darker. First Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Set him apart. Jesus and his will is above every other desire, every other goal in your life. Sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Set him apart as special and unique. And always be ready to give a defense or an answer to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. How are you going to be able to do that if you don't know what the Bible says? How can you tell people that you have a hope, a certain expectation of eternal life and of God providing everything you need in this life while you wait for the coming of the Lord? How can you tell him, anybody that? with any confidence, if you don't know that you have those assurances in the Word of God. Having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. The Word of God is the only thing that can change your life, transform you to live a life of godliness in the midst of this vile, Christ-rejecting world. Only the Bible can do that, because these words are life, they're power. They're spirit. They're eternal. So when you look at these requirements, when you see what God has required us to do, we understand that everyone who accepts Jesus as their Savior, they're your brother and sister in Christ. It doesn't matter what denomination they belong to. If they are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are your brother and sister in Christ, and they are to be esteemed as such. We don't look down on other Christians. We understand they're a part of us. But having said that, do you see with these instructions from Scripture, do you see why it does matter what local assembly you attend? Do you see that it does matter what assembly you go to? Because not all local assemblies follow these guidelines. There are so many reasons why people, you ask, ask a fellow Christian, why do you go to church? Why do you go to the church you go to? Anyone ever done this? 
it's amazing the different answers you get. I like the music. Well, I like music, too. I, I, like, I have a certain preference of kind of music, too. Most of you know I'm kind of a southern gospel guy. I go there because, well, I was raised there. My parents go there, or I go there because my kids go there. You get all kinds of answers while you go to a, a, a local assembly. But you know the only answer that you really ought to be given is because I'm fed there, because I'm edified, I'm built up in my spiritual walk with the Lord. Isn't that according to what we've read here in the Scripture? There's no other reason. I could go to a church where they never play a Southern Gospel music if they preach the Word. I could go to a church where none of my family go. I thank God for my family, and I'm glad that they're part of this assembly. But if it was the will of God, I could go to a place where no family, but the word of God is being proclaimed. That's why we go where we go. So it matters. Thank God for the whole body of Christ. Thank God for anywhere that Jesus is being lifted up and people are being pointed to, people are being pointed to Christ. We thank God for that. But it matters how we conduct ourselves in the house of God. Lord willing, next week we'll look at the specific requirements that God has for these positions of leadership that you should hold me accountable for. We'll also look at how the attitude and the response of the congregation should be toward these gifts as well, all in accordance with the will of God. I think we'll close there this morning. Let's stand as we sing a song in closing.